I've, uh, I don't know how many people can relate to me on this, but I have made a lot of dumb decisions in my life. I don't know how many people can relate to this. I, I have racked them up over the years. One of them actually happened earlier this year. I'm still kicking myself over it. I had the opportunity to get my first experience of going to Steamboat to go snowboarding, okay? So it was three days of the perfect snow. It was this beautiful powder. It was amazing. There's my friend just lifting his arms up. And after three days, we were doing from open to close. We got to the last third day and we said, you know what? Let's do one last run which apparently that is never anything you should ever say, I guess, when you go skiing or snowboarding. And so as we're going down, we're like, well, we got to go out big. So we looked for all the different runs and we saw the sign that had the triple black diamond, cliff, trees, and then a skull and crossbones, you know, at the bottom of it. We're like, that's the one. We're finishing big. We're going to do this. And so the problem is I'm not 17 anymore. That's the problem. And so your body doesn't work the way it used to. And after three days of snowboarding, I was just done. And we're going down this run, and I realized I had made a massive mistake. This was a bad decision. Because by the time I got to the bottom of the hill, if you're queasy, you can look away, but it's not that bad. This is what my finger looked like by the time I got to the bottom of the hill. Yes, I'm still trying to get it to work properly even months after that. Um, I remember in high school, this was actually my car in high school. I know I'm going to make some of you jealous. 1990 Dodge Caravan. I was holding the ladies back. I could not hold them away driving that car. Rusted out, 500 buck piece of garbage. Well, my friend had a Dodge Caravan too. And so we decided it would be a great idea to race them. Not just race them, race them in the middle of a snowstorm in Chicago. Let me just tell you, that did not end very well. We spent an entire night trying to dig our cars out of ditches and other areas. And mom, if you're watching, I apologize. I will explain later. Okay, I never told you that this happened. But just dumb decisions. And I've got a whole list of them. And some of them are much more serious than that. And at the same time, as many stupid decisions as I've made, there are actually a few decisions that I've made that I'm really glad I did. Like, I have no regrets about them at all. Nicole and I moved to Colorado five years ago, right, in 2018. And the first thing we had to digest when we moved here from the Midwest was the housing prices. And five years ago, we were like, oh my goodness, how does anybody live here? And so we were just going back and forth on like, maybe this is the peak of the market. What do we do? Should we wait it out? I don't know. And all of our families were like, if you buy a house, we're going to disown you because that is the most irresponsible thing you can do. And that's what you get for moving away from us. And so Nicole and I just went through all this crazy, you know, journey of trying to figure out what to do. And finally, we're like, all right, we're just going to go for it and just try, try and get into something. And we just barely eked in by the skin of our teeth into this house. And now five years later, I'm retiring because you saw what happened in the housing price. And it's like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad now. Now my kids are going to be living in my basement the rest of their lives with their spouses and children. But that's just what it was. Now I'm glad. I'm glad we made the decision. I was 11 years old when I first made the decision to start a relationship with Jesus. And I remember even as a young kid, that moment was just so powerful to me. And even over all these years, my faith journey has been very precarious at times. It's had a lot of ups and downs and challenges, but I'll tell you right now, I have no regrets. I have zero regrets about that decision. It, 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 is one of the, it is the single greatest decision I've ever made in my life. I talked to so many people in our church. You probably have some of those decisions too you've made. Maybe it required a massive amount of sacrifice. Maybe it was just hard. Maybe it took a lot out of you, but you still would say you were so glad you made that decision. 
For some people, it's around a spouse. It's around finishing a degree. It's taking that risk and start that business. It's doing that thing that you knew God wanted you to do. There are some no regrets decisions in your life. Today, I want to talk about one particular decision, a huge decision. And this is actually a decision God himself offers you. And we're going to look at how this kind of unfolds even in the Bible. Let me set some kind of groundwork here. Right when Jesus rose from the dead, there was tons of commotion. People were like, did a dude really die and rise from the dead? Did this actually happen? And so just all this controversy starts during people are talking. It just kind of shakes the earth in a way. And at one moment, Peter was one of Jesus' early followers. He had an opportunity to speak in front of thousands of people at one time. And he ended up giving what became the first ever Christian sermon in the history of the world. And so he's standing in front of these people and he's saying, you got to understand, I saw the guy. He was dead and now he's alive. And this changes everything. The world is never going to be the same. Your life is never going to be the same. This completely transforms what we know about God and the entire world. And so people are hearing this and they're like, okay, if that's true, if a dude actually died and rose from the dead, what are we supposed to do? How do we possibly respond to this news? And Peter gives the first ever application in any Christian sermon ever delivered. And this is what he says to them in Acts 2. Repent and be baptized. Now that repent word does have some baggage, doesn't it? Some of us, you hear that word and you're picturing like people on the corners with picket signs and everything. You know that word, it really just means to turn, to change your direction. And so Peter's saying, hey, go in God's direction. That's that the first thing you absolutely need to do. But then he says, and be baptized. Now think about all the different things, Je not Jesus, Peter could have pushed on him right here. So Peter could have said, okay, you need to repent, but start reading your Bible. That's going to be good for you. Go find yourself a good Bible, download the Uversion app. You're going to be all set. He could have said, hey, get in a small group. You need some friends, all right? Stop being such a loner do that. I would have appreciated if he just would have said, go to church. How much easier that would have made my job if I had a verse right now that just said, you need to go to church. He didn't say any of this stuff. And if you look at the Bible, the early church, and all of this, this idea of baptism is one of the most important decisions that God challenges us to make. Now, if that's true, it's worth asking, what is it then? What really is baptism? Why is this such a big deal to God? So just to lay the groundwork here, this word baptism actually comes from a word baptizo, which simply means to submerge something underwater. That's all it means, to go underwater. And it was a very common word used for anything that went underwater. But early in the first century, it started to be infused with some profound spiritual significance. And so it means so much more than taking a quick dip or going for a swim. Look how Paul describes in Colossians 2. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So at its most base level, baptism is a physical picture of a spiritual reality in your life. If you've ever seen a baptism before, it's actually 
pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. You see, you get dunked under the water. And yet it's not just going under the water. In that moment, you are actually declaring with your own body that you believe that Jesus died for you, that he died for your sins. But Paul said you were buried with Christ. So what you are saying is you are dying too. You are declaring with your body, I am dying to my old way of life. I am leaving it behind and burying it forever. Now, thankfully, you don't stay underwater. All right, we don't leave you there because then that'd be a bad decision. You do get pulled out. And what you're doing in that moment is you're declaring with your body that you don't just believe that Jesus died. You believe that he rose from the dead in victory over sin and death forever, defeating it completely. But then Paul even said, you were raised with him. So Jesus' victory is also yours. You are coming alive to a new life, a life of freedom, hope, and a relationship with God. And all of this is done in water to symbolize the cleansing of your very soul that you have been completely washed of all of your sin in your life. It's so simple, but it is so profound. You are enacting with your own body what you believe is true about Jesus, but what is also happening to you. Now, Paul has another area where he talks about the importance of baptism. In Romans 6, he says this, or have you forgotten that when we were joined, remember that word joined, with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Do you see that? Paul says when you get baptized, you are actually joined with Jesus. And what that means is you now have a new association. When Nicole and I got married, we exchanged these rings. My knuckles are so fat. Oh, there we go. I got it off. Okay. Wedding ring right here, right? Now, can I have a moment of confession? This is my third wedding ring. <laughs> and I know all the women were like, how dare you? I lost my first wedding ring within 24 hours of being married in the ocean. So guys, take a lesson from me. Don't do that. Okay. The second one. I have no idea what happened. I'll just be honest. It's gone somewhere forever. So Nicole said, you are not allowed to have nice rings at all. All right. You, you do not deserve them. So this is a $10 ring off of Amazon right here. 10 bucks. Now for any of the guys in the room, can I suggest something? You don't need a fancy ring. This works just fine. All right. It'll get the job done. Now it's only worth $10, but it represents something invaluable to me. Because all those years ago, when Nicole and I stood in that ceremony together, we were stepping into a new association a totally new relationship, a completely transformed identity. Our lives are forever intertwined in this life. And now baptism, Paul is describing, as a ceremony of sorts, that you are joining your life with Jesus, not just in this life alone, but for eternity. And now you see why this baptism thing is such a big deal to Peter, all throughout the New Testament, and to God. It is a life-altering decision. One of the best decisions you could possibly make. Now, if that's what it is, let me answer another question, though. Why should I be baptized, though? You should be asking yourself this right now. If it's that big of a deal, why should I? Because I know for many of us in here, it's never really been something that was really maybe emphasized, maybe in your church experience or not church experience. It's never been something that's really been at the forefront. But there's one reason 
why every single person here should take this very seriously. This should be the only reason we need. And it's simply this. Jesus commands it. He wants us to do it. Right after Jesus rose from the dead, he gave what's called the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, he says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, this idea of disciples, that just means followers. Jesus is saying, just how you've trusted in me, share this news with other people. We want as many people to experience the same transformation you have. But the moment you become a disciple, a genuine follower, Jesus says, you need to get baptized. Now, this is so important to Jesus that he didn't just command it. He even did it himself. There's a moment in Jesus' life where it says this. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Now, if there is one guy who should be allowed to be off the hook for getting baptized, don't you think Jesus gets off the hook? I mean, he gets a fast pass. All right, he does not need to get in line for this thing. And yet God himself was willing to get in line and get baptized. And what's so crazy about this is Jesus knew what he was doing because he knew this was only going to take a quick three seconds. But in that moment, he was giving a small picture of what he knew was going to come later in his life. That he was going to spend three days in the grave and come out and live out the true baptism experience. And Jesus said, this is so profound. It's so important that I am willing to do it myself and set the example for you. I'll go first. Now, I'm hoping this makes us a little queasy here too. The fact that Jesus is so serious about this. This point in his ministry where Jesus says this in John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commands. The measure of love for Jesus is obedience. So what would your life say about your love for him? How well would your obedience measure that out? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have placed your faith in him, God wants you to be baptized. He commands it. And if this is the only reason to do it, it's the only one we need. Because if Jesus was willing to die for us, are we at least willing to get a little bit wet for him? Now, I know I'm coming on a little hot today. It's like, okay, Brian, you're making quite a case. Were you a lawyer in a previous life or something? What's going on here? Now, at this moment, you might be thinking, okay, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it, Brian. Maybe, you're, maybe I should kind of consider this and take it more seriously. Well, there's one other question though we got to deal with, and it's this. When should I be baptized? Timing is everything in so many situations. And I want you to see the timing of this. There's an interesting story in the New Testament. Philip is one of Jesus' followers, and he gets introduced to a powerful politician from Ethiopia. And so they're riding in this guy's carriage, which is kind of like a fancy limo at the time. They're just cruising along. And this political official actually experiences a total transformation. He puts his faith in Jesus right there in the car ride. And then you see how this unfolds right here in Acts 8. Look what the politician says. Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. Okay, this guy has been a Christian for a whole five minutes. 
And I'm waiting for Philip to go, well, well, hold up. My church actually has a baptism class on Saturdays. It's four weeks. It's 8 a.m. to noon. There's a lot of fill in the blanks. You got to go through the hoops first, man. Or like Philip's got to say, well, we got to make sure you're ready for this, man. Do you really understand it? We got to clean your life up a little bit. You're kind of jacked up. He doesn't give him any of that stuff. He's just like, hey, there's some water. Can we do this thing right now? Which means Philip must have been talking to him about it because he already knows the importance of taking this step. And this is what you see all throughout the Bible. The only requirement for baptism is that you just believe in Jesus. No classes, no church membership, no formal process. You believe in him and you make it happen. That is the whole pattern. Let me show you just another kind of funny story here. Paul was in jail for his faith. Okay, he's in prison. And it's late at night and the jailer has his own personal encounter with God. And it's so powerful to him that he actually asked Paul, he says, okay, how do I get what you get? How do I get saved? And Paul says, all you need to do is believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're going to be saved. That's all you got to do. Put your faith in him. And so this guy's life is so transformed. He actually lets Paul out of prison. It's like midnight, 1 a.m. And look what it says in Acts 16. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Now just think of how funny this situation is. This jailer gets saved and then he lets Paul to prison. He's like, hey Paul, remember when I was kind of punching your face last night and beating you down and you know how you're kind of bleeding out of black eye? My bad. Okay. I apologize for that. Um, and he cleans them all up and he's like, I'm not even going to let sleep stop me from doing this. And he and his entire family get baptized at like 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning. So this is really the question. When should you be baptized? Today. You should do it today. Immediately. There is a tone of urgency to this in the Bible. The Bible's like, don't you dare procrastinate on this. You do not want to wait on this thing. The moment you make a decision to believe in Jesus, you got to go find some water. That's something you absolutely want to do. So, I know I'm putting some heat into this. I'm trying to make a case for some people in this room. And I know what you're probably feeling right now. They're like, oh my goodness, okay, Brent, like today, but like I got some stuff. Think about what about this and what about that? So, I want to address some of the common concerns that people have, the most common ones. So, let me hit the but what abouts right now. But what about this, Brian? What about that? Let me hit the big ones. The biggest one I have with a lot of people is this conversation. Brian, I was baptized as a baby. And maybe this is part of your story. You're sprinkled maybe by a priest or a pastor at some point. That is actually part of my story too. And I'm so grateful that my parents cared about the spiritual dynamics of my life, even from a young age. So grateful for that. And there are so many well-meaning faith traditions and denominations that actually genuinely believe that, you know, baptism for a baby can help initiate or even facilitate faith in their life. And I love the heart of that. We love kids at this church, but there's something we have to be honest about. This is not the pattern we see in the Bible. And as much as we love our faith traditions and our history, we have to make sure that the Bible sets the standard of practice for us and, and not our own preferences or even traditions. This is the pattern we see in the Bible. Acts 8, it says the people believed Philip's message concerning Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Simon himself believed and was baptized. 
Order is everything for this baptism thing. You believe and then you get baptized. That order is critical. Let me show you that it's everywhere. Acts 18, many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. So baptism by the biblical standard always comes after a personal profession of faith in Jesus. So it doesn't really matter if you were baptized a thousand times as a baby. You might have been born in the ocean. And yet, this is what we see. A genuine baptism, a true baptism, must be preceded by a genuine personal profession of faith. Many of us in here, we were baptized because of someone else's belief. It wasn't ours yet. And we would say, you need to have your own genuine baptism experience with Jesus. Let me hit one I have with some people talking to as well. Some people say, Brian, my life is still a mess though. I don't know if I'm ready to do this. I had a conversation with a guy a little while ago. He's like, Brian, if you only knew the skeletons in my closet, he's like, God would hold me under the water if I tried getting baptized right now. Like, it ain't going to work. I got so much I got to clean up. And maybe you feel that way too. You're like, I just do not measure up to this standard of what God actually requires to do this. Let me tell you this. If you feel like you need to do something to earn or measure up to baptism, you actually don't understand it. Because the whole point of baptism is that you cannot clean yourself up. You need Jesus to cleanse you. He is the only one who can. And that picture of baptism is a beautiful declaration of you putting all of your faith and all of your sin back on him because he's the only one who can take care of it. So if you just feel like you don't quite measure up today to do it, I'm telling you, that may be an even better reason to do it today. Because you are declaring, man, this is not by my power. I am not able to do this. Only God can do this in my life. Now, again, some of you guys, maybe you're like, okay, making a decent case, Brian, but geez, if I knew I was getting baptized, I would not have did my hair up the way I did today. I would not have worn this outfit. Are you kidding me right now? I got all this makeup on. This is going to be a disaster. And I totally get that. You're like, I did not come prepared. I would have completely changed, completely changed my approach. Well, you may not have come prepared, but we prepared for you. We actually got everything ready over here. I hid this over in the corner. Let me show you. We have tons and tons of supplies already on hand. Every single shirt size you could imagine. Every single shorts. By the way, the shirts are dark. You know what I'm talking about? Well, you're welcome. We thought about that too. I'm actually modeling one right now. Okay. Some of you guys just got that. Um, shorts of every single size. I got towels in here. I got combs. I don't want to pull it all out. Every single toiletry thing you would need to make sure you can leave just as dry as you came in the same clothes. You get to keep the shirt. That's just our gift to you to remember always this day. We got every single thing you need to make this happen today. All right. We came prepared for you. You even keep the bag, right? You're welcome. Merry Christmas. So let me hit just another quick thing. I know some of us in here, you'd say, well, hold on, Brian, but I want my family to see it, though. Like, I would have invited so many more people. I would have had some family members here. We would have made this a whole thing. And I can absolutely understand that desire because you're like, this is a special moment. I, I, wanna, I want people to be here. Let me just say this. There is a power to immediate obedience. 
There's something about just doing something that you know God wants you to do and not waiting on it. There is a theme of urgency throughout the whole Bible when it comes to baptism. And my experience with just my own faith walk and so many people's is this. Delayed obedience often becomes disobedience. We put it off for a couple of days. Days become weeks. Weeks become months. And before you know it, it's been years. And now you just feel like you kind of missed the opportunity and maybe you shouldn't do it at all. You never want to drag your feet when it comes to obeying God. You never want to delay. And because we knew that there would be people here that might feel like they wanted people here that are not, we already prepared for that as well. So right here on site today, we have two professional photographers that are going to capture every single baptism. They have everything prepared. Every single one's going to be captured. We have a drone capturing every single moment in 4K video. It's all covered. And by the way, I know that 99.9% .9 people in this room have one of these in your pocket right now that has better video than you could have ever imagined in your life. And so you have a full-blown paparazzi crew here at the church to capture everything. You can't hide. We are going to get every angle of this baptism for you. It's going to be totally covered. And so, with all that being said, there may not be some people here that you would like, but the most important person you'd want here is. Jesus is going to be here for your baptism. And he is going to be cheering you on and celebrating. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about him. It's about him celebrating you and being here present for that. So, let me address one last thing for some of us in here. Some of you in here, you know you're supposed to do it. You already feel God speaking to you. You know you're supposed to get in that tub. But you would say this, Brian, I still feel a little uncomfortable. I still just feel a little awkward about this. Like I don't really want a lot of eyes on me. I don't like a lot of attention. I wasn't really expecting this or I was baptized as a baby. And now I just haven't thought about this. I got a lot to process. I just don't know. I, let me just say, that is totally, totally understandable. I can get why there'd just be a lot of emotions going around right now. You need to know, though, that you are not going to be asked to give some speech. You don't need to give a 40-minute sermon where everybody's going to grade it at the end. There's none of that. You are going to be in the most supportive, celebratory environment you have ever been in in your life. You're going to have nothing but people cheering you on, celebrating. People are clapping after every single baptism at the first service. It's a giant party. And I still, uh, last year, I still remember one of my favorite moments. We were doing our baptism Sunday, and we were just finishing up. And I just made one last little throw out there. I said, hey, if anybody wants to get baptized, anybody else want to do it? And there was a guy in the back. I could just see it on his face. And he was like, all right, I got to do this. I, I know I just have to do it and all that stuff. And we didn't have any more shirts. We ran out, which we have enough today, I promise. And we didn't have anything for him. So he's like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. He just rips his shirt off in front of the whole crowd. And that moment made me know that I was at the right place and this is one of the best churches in the world because our church, right, that moment said, woo, yeah, you go, yeah. I, uh, I even heard, heard a couple ow, ows in the crowd. I'm telling you, there was a lot of hair on that chest, all right? And, and he just went all in and did it. And so that's why I'm saying you have nothing but a celebratory, supportive environment. There is no judgment. This is just an awesome, awesome celebration. And you just need to know there is a special affirmation to just this step of baptism. When you look at Jesus' baptism, he had a special moment himself. Look what it says in Mark 1. 
Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on like a dove. Now I want to emphasize this next verse. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now Jesus was already God's son. He already loved him. He was already pleased with him. But God allowed his baptism to be a special moment of affirmation in his life. And if you're in here today and you have placed your faith in Jesus, you are already a precious son. You are a beautiful daughter of God himself. You are loved. He is pleased with you. But I will say your baptism is just a special moment to soak in the pleasure and affirmation of God. And you are just going to feel that when you get knowing that you're stepping closer to your own heavenly father, you're going to have his approval. I still remember my own baptism journey. I was sprinkled as a baby, which again, I'm very appreciative of my parents for doing. But as an adult, I was struggling because I started feeling like, man, I didn't do the believe and then be baptized thing. And it took me months. I just struggled with it. And I felt, I felt embarrassed. Because I was actually, I was already working in ministry too at the time. So I'm just like, people are going to be kind of confused when the youth pastor gets in the tub. They'll be like, what kind of hiring mistake did this church make? And I just felt, I felt stupid. And I was like, maybe I just don't need to do it. Maybe God doesn't care that much. Like my baby one kind of still counted. And I wrestled, I wrestled, I wrestled, I wrestled. And finally I got to one point where I was like, you know what? This has nothing to do with other people's opinions or what they think about the matter. This actually has nothing to do with my own feelings and opinion on the matter. This is all about Jesus and what he is asking me to do out of my own love for him. And so I still remember it only took a few seconds, but I still remember my baptism when I got in that water. And it was just this defining moment in my relationship with God where I knew I believe this. I believe this thing and I'm giving my life to it. And I have no regrets about that decision. It's one of the best decisions I have ever made. I want to ask just two questions before we close out this service. My first question is, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he really died in your place for your sins? That he rose from the dead? and that he's even alive today working in this world. Now, some of you in this room, you actually might say, you know, Brian, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not totally convinced. I'm still going on the journey. And I would just say, awesome. We are so glad you're here. Go on that journey. Everybody's at a different place spiritually. We are so honored to have you. Go on that journey. We want to do it with you. Some of you in here, though, would answer, yes, Brian, I actually do believe in Jesus. I do. If you say yes to that question, I've got one other question to ask you. Have you been baptized? Have you by your own personal choice publicly declared your faith in Jesus through baptism? Now, if your answer is yes, can I just say awesome? For some of you, it was last year on this very weekend. And that is so cool. Stay for the party. Cheer people on. Make this a whole thing. It's going to be awesome. But some of you, your answer is no. You said yes to the first question and no to the second. And I got to ask you, why not today? What's stopping you? 
this will be one of the best decisions you have ever made. You will not regret it. And we already have a handful of people being baptized after this service. It's, we already know it's going to be a party. But I always feel like it's nice to actually put a name and a face to some of the life change happening, you know, in and through our church. And so I actually asked somebody from a church if they'd be willing to share just for a minute on even why they're getting baptized today, just for a quick moment. So I'm going to invite Brandon up. Brandon, you want to come on up real quick? Can we give him some love as he's coming around and getting ready? So I just said, Brandon... Just take a quick moment because he's going to be jumping in the water here after the service. So, Brandon, why are you getting baptized today? Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm getting baptized today to um, just believe in God's ways, words, and wisdom to put away the former life. And I never walked the life that God conveyed for me. And I went through a lot of destruction and grim, yet... Praise God, because I know he can make anything possible. And with him, we can do all things who strengthens us. And need about 10 more minutes. It's going to take a while. I'm just kidding. But, you know, God is good. God is great. And I was going to change this shirt to change into my baptism shirt. And I believe there was a reason why when I went to the bathroom, there was too many people to change. And we're talking about believing. And if you believe in his ways and his love, that he is a light in the darkness. He is a promise keeper. And he is everything that we could imagine. So whatever struggles that we face, every struggle I've been through from abuse, suicide, cancer, he has healed me of everything. And the only way that I could show my faith and my confession to the public is being baptized. And to me, that has given my life over to the will of God as I understand him. And if any of you are on the fence, I encourage you to continue. You know, to not be ashamed. And although we may think things and think that we're not worthy or undeserving, he's saying you're worthy. He's saying you're deserving. And I'm making this leap of faith to change my life over forever and for eternity. And I hope that you'll join me. Wow. I might have a backup preacher here for me on another weekend. There's a lot of decisions we make in life. Some of them are messy. Some of them are really complicated. Some of them we regret. But there are some no regrets decisions that we get to make in life too. There are certain decisions you make where you say, I am so glad I did that. It's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Baptism is one of those decisions. It's one of the best decisions you can make in your life and in your walk with God. And God is offering it to you today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.